Are we recording? Oh yeah! It's like <laughs> a year from now. Macho. Oh man, that's Vincy. I like that my kids know that I'm healthy and strong and fit, and that their mom is healthy and strong and fit. Going, okay, I can still get better without having to do a max effort every single day. Smashing yourself on the roller for uh, an hour, right? you're good by the next day as long as you had a sandwich and a nap. Okay, so today's episode will be um, an intro discussion to uh, something called the power duration relationship. Um, Okay, so what the hell is the power duration relationship? Um, It's first, again, I would say like a lot of these, a lot of, um, a lot of discussions in physiology, it comes, um, it comes directly from endurance sport through largely probably just cycling and running, treadmill running. Um, and I believe it was first, the idea of something like this was first observed like almost a hundred years ago by A.V. Hill and just, uh, the human fatigability. So the idea that, um, just to have people follow along with us. So the power duration relationship is a hyperbolic or, or a curvilinear, um, relationship. So if you think about it, um, as like, so you know this yourself. So if you just think about an air bike, how fast can you go for 10 seconds on an air bike? Like what's, what's your average RPM on an air bike for 10 seconds? What's the average RPM you can hold for 30 seconds? What's the average RPM you can hold for 60 seconds? What's the average RPM you can hold for two minutes? <clears throat> so if you perform, if you compete or you perform any form of intensive training, you know that that RPM keeps getting lower the longer I, the longer I ask you to go for um, and the interesting thing about this relationship is that this type of relationship occurs um, across, I think they said um, in, in almost every other mammal they've actually tested when they ask them when, I don't know how they, I don't know how they get these <laughs> other mammals to do this, but when they assess this stuff, they ha- it has the same curvilinear relationship in terms of being a really high peak power output for really short end activities and a really low, much lower peak power output for longer activities. Um, but then as you extend it out, you get to this asymptote where you get this flat line, which in terms of, um, a graph, it could suggest that things become, you can go on forever. Okay. And in terms of the power duration relationship, this is what represents critical power, critical speed, critical torque. So specifically I'll read out a definition as to what critical power is. So critical power is a metabolic rate. Critical power is now considered to represent the greatest metabolic rate that results in wholly oxidative energy provision, where wholly oxidative considers the active organism overall and means that energy supply through substrate level phosphorylation reaches a steady state and that there is no progressive accumulation of blood lactate or breakdown of intramuscular phosphocreatine, meaning the rate of lactate production in active muscle is matched by its rate of clearance in muscles and other tissues. So, Critical power, critical speed, um, represents a metabolic rate that could be measured. However, when I'm, what I was just describing <clears throat> is observable characteristics. So this metabolic rate correspond, can, will correspond to an observable characteristic of one modality. And you can just think of one modality in your head. Um, the example I was using, I believe, was biking. Um, and like we were saying is that there is this metabolic rate, this critical power metabolic rate 
will be associated with a certain RPM with for you. That's basically the best way for people to follow along and think about it. It's associated with a certain RPM at which if you go one RPM over that, you will start accumulating fatigue at a, at a much more noticeable rate. If you stay at that RPM or below, there'll be much, it'll be noticeably less fatigue accumulation. Um, and that's really what they're defining in terms of the critical power, critical speed. Critical torque, somewhat different. Um, just in definition, so very short definition, the critical torque represents a critical neuromuscular fatigue threshold. So I guess an easy way to have people follow along is think of doing a, a one arm uh, or a max bicep curl with one arm. Like at what load and at what cadence can you keep doing bicep curls uh, and have the muscle reach a steady state activity level for quite some time? And you think that and you're like, well, that seems weird, but the, they do studies on knee extensors and they have people do this for an hour. So uh, you can reach a metabolic rate that is sustainable when you're just thinking about single joint movements and that maximal force output that corresponds with that sustainable, uh, that, that the highest sustainable rate is the critical torque. Okay. So the power duration relationship, um, and I guess the concept of critical torque and which we'll introduce later W prime can be broken up into four or which these guys do, they break it up into four uh, intensity zones. And something important to note here is what they're, what they say they're doing um, is they're providing, um, they're just, they're providing like an, uh, an explanation for what's happening as people exercise. They're not saying why it's happening. They're like, this, this is what is happening. Uh, this, is what, this is how the VO2 kinetics, this is how oxygen consumption works. This is what happens in terms of blood lactate, whatever, at these different intensities. Um, but they're not going past that. They're just describing what's happening, which is good because that's really what I think you should, what we're trying to get around, get across here today is just have people understand what this is. So, <clears throat> um, the first intense there is again, they, they break it up into four intensity zones. Um, and there are some, uh, th there's usually some delineation amongst that. So in terms of the first intensity zone, they just call it the moderate intensity zone. The next one is considered the, um, the heavy intensity zone. And then the next one being the, uh, no, sorry. Yeah. Moderate heavy is the second one. Then severe is the third one. And then ext extreme is the fourth one, which I really like. It's kind of like Elon Tusk's ludicrous mode. <laughs> Should I call it that? Ludicrous. Um, okay. So the moderate, uh, the way they classify the moderate intensity zones. And again, this is based on them studying. Uh, and this specifically is what we're really discussing right now is related to think of someone on a, someone on a cycle ergometer or someone using a biker or someone running on a treadmill. That's what we're thinking of here. So, what they consider the moderate domain is what they consider um, below the, the second lactate threshold. And if you listen to our last discussion on polarized training, um, you'll, you would have an idea of what that means. So the moderate is anything below the second lactate threshold in this, in these, um, in this definition, the heavy domain is between the lactate threshold and below critical power. So critical power falls above the lactate threshold. The severe domain is also above critical power. And then the ludicrous mode or extreme 
is above uh, the severe domain, but there isn't really any specific delineation there in terms of uh, like, like a physiologic threshold, like they were saying lactate threshold. What different, we'll go through what differentiates, differentiates those two. So in terms of the moderate domain, um, and this, and again, this is another, another thing we had to explain. <clears throat> so a lot of the explanations used to, to give examples on this is talking about VO2 kinetics. So what that means is when they measure the amount of oxygen you're taking in. Okay, so you're just breathing in oxygen, right? So as you start exercising, you're gonna have an increase in cardiac output. Most people just say an increase in heart rate, but what they really mean is an increase in cardiac output. So you'll have an increase in heart rate, increase in stroke volume. Um, and if you're being measured, your oxygen consumption would also go up. So in the moderate domain, what, what you'll end up seeing is you'll see an increase in your oxygen consumption. And within a couple minutes, uh, again, to go back to the, what we're talking about, you're riding a cycle ergometer, you're running on a treadmill. Think of that. Within a couple of minutes, if you're actually not exercising in this domain, uh, your VO2 kinetics will, will stabilize and you'll hit, it'll just start looking like a flat line sort of thing, assuming you're keeping the same pace or the same rate of work. So then when you go into the, um, the heavy domain, you will also have a similar thing in terms of where the VO2 kinetics will stabilize, but it will take longer. Um, and they'll then you'll have what this, what's called this VO2 slow component sort of. So it'll take 10, 10, 15, 20 minutes, depending on how close to critical power you're exercising before your VO2 kinetics will stabilize. And it'll, again, it'll start looking more like a flat line for a, long, for a while. Once you get above critical power, there is no more stabilization in terms of VO2 kinetics from what they measure. So if you go 1% above critical power, it will no longer stabilize. So even if you're going five, like 5% 5 above critical power for you, so let's just pick a number, you cycling on the, ec on the echo bike, air bike, whatever, um, at like 65 RPMs, say that's your critical power. If you're at 62, 63, 64, or based on their research, your VO2 kinetics after a while will just stabilize, no flatline. Because it's you won't reach a, you won't reach your VO2 max no matter you won't how far reach you your go. VO2 max. So the limiter won't be your oxygen uptake. Yep. So then as you go above critical power, so let's say now you're at like 66, 67, 68. Based on their based on their studies, is there will no longer be a stabilization of VO2 kinetics. So if you were to measure your oxygen consumption your oxygen consumption will continue going up and up and up and up until you achieve a, a maximum of oxygen consumption, which is your VO2 max. And usually at some point thereafter, you're going to stop doing the task, whether because you've, you've reached some type of neuromuscular failure um, or you just quit. So that's the severe domain. You're, you're above critical power, but the critical thing is, the, critical thing, the important thing is you will reach a VO2 max and then you will fail. That's how, that's how this domain is, is observed. In the extreme domain, you will fail before you reach a VO2 max. So if you were to measure oxygen kinetics, the, the activity will stop before you achieve a point of maximum oxygen consumption if they were measuring it. So again, that's how, do you, how you delineate the four of them, moderate, heavy, severe, uh, extreme. And what separates severe and heavy is critical power. Okay, and they usually, I don't know if they, they call it a threshold, they just call it a transition um, between what they consider sustainable and unsustainable uh, metabolic rates. And again, you think of that, it's a sustainable, unsustainable metabolic rate, and then you apply that to the modality you're engaged in. 
okay? So again, you can figure out what's, what's your sustainable metabolic rate rowing, skiing, um, running, biking, okay? What's similar is like you have a critical power in all of those, but the output in each one of them is probably gonna be a little bit different. Okay. So we have basically like what's observed is people have four gears and one of them is almost indefinite because what, what you're stopping because of what do they say here? Motivation, basically. Motivation, Motivation glycogen, right? But like in the modern domain, you're most likely going to stop because you're either too hot or your motivation is now no longer there to continue to do it. Yeah. In the heavy domain, you're likely going to stop because of glycogen depletion. And in the severe domain, then you're, you're talking about like you're using up those en finite energy stores. And that's when they kind of start talking about W prime. Yeah. Um, and oxygen consumption, obviously you, you, you reach your maximal oxygen consumption. Mm -hmm. So that's going to stop you from continuing to go on, continuing on. Yeah. And so the interesting thing here, right, is which again, I think just to go, th go through it one more time to for people to follow along, critical power, critical speed, is the maximum metabolic rate that is sustainable as wholly aerobic in nature. And that's what they're saying. So in terms of then, if, you're working below, if you're working at a pace below critical power, your intake of oxygen is going to stabilize. That's, their, that's what they're saying. If you go any bit above critical power, it will no longer stabilize at any point unless you then come below critical power. So let's not get too into it yet. And just to kind of give people an, an idea, like the, the degree of separation between your maximal power output and your critical power, like your critical power, your critical speed is a relatively small yep. uh, percentage of what your maximal power output or maximal speed would be, right? So yep. just to kind of give people an idea, like you're not, you're not cranking out like 120 RPMs on the air bike, and then your critical power is 100 RPMs on the air no. bike. It's not how it works. Yeah. It's, it's going to so be substantially term, lower than that. If you're measuring in terms of RPMs, right, it would be, you know, it might be down like, uh, it might be down like 65%, 60% of your best RPMs, probably. Some, maybe, I'm just guessing. Um, but if you're doing it in terms of watts, it would be different percentages, right? Mm -hmm. So that's where we get into the next discussion and you talk about how, what, how things function. So just quickly, like you, like Jason and Scott mentioned, like the, again, to keep, to beat this point home, think of it as you're cycling or you're running on a treadmill. Um, if you're exercising below critical power and all things being equal, their prediction on this model is it's going to become down. It's going to come down to psychological components um, or glycogen depletion or thermoregulation. If you're exercising below uh, critical power. So really what's going to become problematic, dehydration, maybe whatever. Um, but above critical power, and this is where the idea is that below critical power, things are somewhat sustainable and which we'll get into that discussion afterwards. Above critical power, things are predictably unsustainable. And that's an important, important phrase, predictably unsustainable. And that's the power of this power duration relationship. Um, it's this concept called W prime, which they just use as a measurement of work that you're able to perform above critical power. And the way that they figured this out is they measure your power outputs at all these different durations. And like I said, after a while, once the duration gets long enough, it starts to become a flat line. And if I ask you to what your maximum pays for like 90 minutes compared to two hours, it's not really, not really any different or it's very close. 
right? But what's your, what's your maximum pace from 20 seconds to two minutes? There's a math, massive difference. So what they're saying is that W prime is, is, represents a finite amount of work that can be done, like conceptually, a, fi a finite amount of work that can be done above your critical power. So again, go back to the person who their critical power is 65 RPMs. Okay, the way that the relationship works is, um, is like if you think of the time that you can work above your critical power, it's a function of what your actual W prime is, and that's different per person as to how much work you individually can perform above your critical power. It's a function of how fast you're going, so your power output versus your critical power. So if, you're, if your critical power on an air bike is 65 RPMs, and you're going 66 RPMs, okay, the time at which you can spend above critical power is pretty long, like potentially 30 minutes, whatever. If you go 70 RPMs now, so now, now you have a larger divisible number. So you're going five RPMs above your critical power, which is going to, which you know, you're not going to last as long. But the power of this is that they're saying it's predictable. So they're like, if, if we know what your critical power is, we're able to measure it accurately. We will be able to predict within reason how long you're going to be able to go at each one of these RPMs within reason. But each person is going to have an individual amount of how far they can go. But you can create your own individual power duration relationship, um, which is quite interesting, uh, which next episode we'll talk about why that or what that's why that's kind of really interesting in terms of how it functions in terms of a sport like CrossFit. Uh, and then how in terms of and how it functions in terms of designing training and designing work sets and designing recovery. Uh, other points we need to mention with that to make sure. Make Did sure you want to mention that the you know the difference uh, in time to exhaustion is not linear with the difference in W prime? Yeah. So if we were to mention that again, like the relationship is curvilinear. So um, just think of like a curve coming down, like. Uh, I don't know how to explain that without, I guess we'll just post a picture of it. That's probably the best explanation. We'll just post a picture uh, and we'll post links to these articles that are probably the two, maybe the two best articles. We'll just post the two of them. So if anyone's interested in really looking at it, um, uh, they can go, they can go read them. They're great resources. And we'll probably just post a picture alongside the episode of the podcast that we post on Instagram. So people can see oh, yeah. this is what it looks like. This is what we're talking about. Because again, if you were to draw, if you were to draw the graph yourself, you could, you can just kind of, kind of make it up yourself and just think of in terms of, if you did it in terms of Watts on a bike might be better. Um, just think what's the average wattage I can hold for 10 seconds on the echo bike. What's the average wattage I can hold for a minute. What's the average wattage I can hold for two, three, like you're going to start drawing and it's going to be curvilinear. That's what it's going to look like. If you were to map it correctly on a Y X axis, it's going to, it's going to come out like that um, to a certain degree. Okay. Uh, I think an important point to mention here, which is, uh, and again, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong or if I'm making a wrong um, assumption here, is that the researchers, when they, when they discuss W prime, they considered a, the finite amount of work that you individually can perform above critical power. Um, they're not entirely sure what makes that up. Like they're not entirely sure what contributes to that or, or they obviously have some idea what it is because there's a lot of commonalities. But again, they're not saying this is what this is. Like this is X and this is all it is. They're not saying that at all. Uh, there's a whole bunch of things that work together in a systems format of being like, this is really interconnected and challenging to explain. 
And again, which we mentioned before, if you want to go back and look at the, look at the articles we uh, will post, they're really, really good if you want to, if you want to learn about it. Yeah, it looks like they were, they just measured everything that goes along with, with power output and be like, this is, and they're like, this is what's happening while this is happening, mm -hmm. but this is not necessarily causing this. That's a, yeah. that was what I got out of it, but yep. it's, it's correlated yep. quite closely. Um, okay. So I think we made the point of like, uh, and just, to, just a couple more, couple more discussions on it. Like the usual term critical speed is usually, I think referred to for running and they usually measure it in terms of meters per second. You can measure it in kind of whatever way you want, probably. They usually measure it in terms of meters per second. Uh, critical power is usually measured in terms of wattage. Um, and that's usually done for, you know, think of what you would do for rowing, what you would do for cycling, because lots of cyclists use power meters. And I learned you can get a power meter for running, which is quite interesting. Um, that'd be fun. You'll have your Moxie sensor, your wattage meter <laughs> yeah headband yeah and then my my brain stimulation going <laughs> just drive just myself run. yeah um okay so i think we made the point of that of what critical power critical speed is but just so we go a little bit further on critical torque to have people understand that um again so i'll just read out their really short definition um it represents a critical neuromuscular fatigue threshold so again it's a similar idea where at this below this point and they can have they'll have these moderate um heavy severe extreme domains as well where um you'll have this similar type of relationship uh, in terms of, of in terms of oxygen consumption so but the, the the interesting aspect here is that it's it's contingent on this is where like you just will just slow it down a bit but it's contingent on the duration of the contraction and the intensity of contraction also. So uh, if we know what you just think of like a, like if you're doing a bicep curl, an isometric bicep curl at 90 degrees uh, elbow flexion. So your elbow is bent to 90. What's the maximum contraction you can perform at that angle? So that would be considered your 100%. If you are asked to hold that contraction as long as possible, uh, at basically at what percentage of your maximum does critical torque occur? So what, at what percentage of your maximum becomes the almost the dividing line between sustainable, non-sustainable. And if you're doing a continuous contraction, I'm, again, I'm sure this varies per person, but the number that they put out is about 15%. If you're doing a continuous contraction. Now, if you do like a contraction where it's two seconds of holding, two seconds of resting, that can raise your critical critical torque up to forty percent of your maximum of your maximum contraction. So we'll get into that into the next episode. But you just think of that. So think about if you're performing the maximum force you can produce with your legs continuously versus if you're producing it intermittently, and how that alone changes the sustainability of that modality of what you're doing. Okay, so now we'll just kind of we're going to touch on. Uh, uh, sustainable versus unsustainable uh, intensity definitions or just the, the concept of it because this is like this kind of almost unrelated to unrelated to what we were just talking about in terms of the power duration relationship but it's obviously very much connected to it because this is what this power duration relationship defines it's more so in terms of 
having people understand when they say sustainable efforts, and which we've said before in CrossFit, is that almost every modality that you're going to engage in in CrossFit is unsustainable. They're all unsustainable, almost. The only ones that are sustainable, really, are the ones that you can modulate the intensity very easily. So running, rowing, skiing, whatever, biking. You can easily work at a pace that is sustainable. And if we're measuring, if we're defining sustainability based on its proximity to critical power, then yeah, if we know that your critical power rowing is two minutes per 500 meters, um, if you were to measure it like that, and you're rowing at 210, uh, and we're able to measure your VO2 kinetics and whatever, we know that this is a, like theoretically a sustainable effort. Now, obviously, at some point, you're going to stop rowing. Like, so, yeah, sure, it's, it can't go on indefinitely. Uh, but by definition, in this, in this uh, concept, it is sustainable. That's the sustainable intensity. But most things you're doing in CrossFit are unsustainable. And it's up to the athlete to find a way to make it sustainable through the process of intermittency. So I don't know if we want to go too far into that today, um, but it's just the idea of if you, read some, if you read something saying, like perform this at sustainable effort, none of those efforts are sustainable. They're unsustainable. And they're in which this relationship describes, they're predictably unsustainable. Okay, so if they could measure your power output for that set, what you're doing, think like rowing, thrusters and pull-ups and you rest two minutes and keep doing it that two minute effort that you were giving is very much likely it's unsustainable and it's predictably unsustainable because if you were to extrapolate that effort out it will become unsustainable so the all i'm all we're getting at here is that there has to be a clear definition of what sustainable is and what unsustainable is and most of what you're doing is unsustainable um, and it should just be, you kind of should just be prescribing in terms of how hard you want people working as opposed to produce a sustainable effort. Because unless you know what sustainability is and what it isn't, um, you're, you're like, you're not, I guess it's just, it's just misuse of the word. That's all. Maybe it'd be good to kind of define what they say the endurance time is within each domain to try and give a context of sustainability because um i think that you know when you are saying something to do it sustainably you have to give it context of time or reps etc mm-hmm. um and so we're moderate, talking we're talking sustainability in terms of continuous exercise right um should, yeah anyway so should we define the um time of which you could spend like moderate heavy severe extreme yeah, I think we lightly we we touched on that lightly. Um, yeah. So for the first two zones, uh, moderate and heavy, theoretically, you can sustain those indefinitely. Um, which become again, this is just this is where we just keep going. You'll just keep going into tangents because if you're working like at a certain point, as you become fatigued, uh, the thinking is your critical power will change and it will go down as you go on. So if you're cycling two RPMs below your critical power after two hours, you might be two RPMs above your critical power. Okay. That's where it becomes complicated. So we're, we don't want to, we don't want to get too far into it, but basically if you're working in the moderate and heavy domains, theoretically, yeah, you can go for a really long time and we're like, we're talking hours here. Okay. And just, just for example, when they measure someone like Elliot Kipchoge, who's the, the world's greatest marathon runner, um, 
if you don't know who that is, you really need to go look him up and watch some of his YouTube videos because the guy is just, he's a saint. Um, anyway, um, so when they, when they measure what Elliot Kipchug, Kipchug's running pace is and what his critical speed is, he runs the marathon at 97% of his critical speed. Which, again, but th that's based on his fresh critical speed. So if you were to measure his critical speed at two hours, which is hard to do, that's hard, really hard to do, um, then, yeah, then it, it, the, again, the thinking is it's probably actually, he's probably running above critical speed at that point, okay? If you're working moderate and heavy domains. So if he's running at, like, his marathon pace, which is, like, just a little bit faster than, than my pace, um, so he's running, like, 245 per kilometer pace, um, that, would be, that would put him in the heavy domain for the most part, right? And then if he's running at like four minutes per kilometer, that puts him in the moderate domain for sure. Um, and the way that would be defined is, again, they would measure his VO2 kinetics as to what's going on in the relationship between oxygen and his efforts. If you go above that into uh, the severe domain, it depends, on the, it depends on how far above critical power you're working. Uh, if you're, again, if you're too far above critical power, you won't achieve a VO2 maximum before you fail. If you're a little bit, if you're a little bit closer to critical power, you might achieve a VO2 maximum before you fail. So that, again, that could happen anywhere between 10 seconds or it could happen up to 40 minutes, 45 minutes, right? That's really what they're talking about here. If you're working above critical power. <clears throat> and this is just talking mathematical terms. I'm sure there's some caveats somewhere, but when they measure people, this is really what the numbers they get, right? Is if they're, people are working just slightly above that observed measured critical power, they're not really going any longer than 40, 45 minutes before they're going to reach a VO2 maximum and before they're going to fail. They're either going to quit, right? Which is likely what's happening. They're just quitting because they're at a point where they're working so hard. Um, but either way, that's the task disengagement failure occurs around there. Does that make sense, Tom? Is that what you think was? Yeah, being? because then that, yeah, I think um, that's what I was getting at as far yeah. as just kind of giving people context of uh, how long they could last in each yeah. category. Because then if you go and you say to somebody, I want you to do this effort sustainably, it's like, is it sustainable for 10 minutes, five minutes, et cetera? Mm -hmm. Not necessarily sustainable yeah. for hours. And so, so I think uh, we'll just, I'll give an example of what W prime is and the power of basically like what, what they're really getting at, right? Okay, so I'll just, um, we'll have to probably put up this equation too so people can see. So um, the way the power relationship relationship works above critical power in their terms uh, is time, which they measure the amount of time that you would predictably be, about, be able to work above critical power is a function of how much your finite resources are, which is considered W prime. And that again, that is different per person. Um, divided by the power output you are going minus your critical power. So again, just to make a simple example, and we'll, um, we'll do it in Watts, which, or they will, um, or you can do it. You can do it in any example. I'll just probably do it in Watts. So if you could figure out, if you have a bike erg, you have a rower, whatever, if you figure out that your critical power is 200 Watts. Okay. The way this works and like, so if they figure out your critical power is 200 Watts and let's say your W prime is 500 Watts. So five, 500 Watts is how much you have to spend. Okay. If you're working at five Watts above your critical power, that works out to 
100 seconds, I think. Yeah, 500 divided by five, so 100. So it would work out to you could, you could work for 100 seconds above that or to, to, or to accumulate 500 watts of, uh, is that how it works? Is that how the mathematic works on that? I, I just know the running example about how, which they calculated Elliot Kipchoge's W prime was like 200 meters, which again, to, to maybe the running is a better example. So um, I want to make sure I explain this right so I don't, uh, don't confuse people. Um, again, I think, I think it's in seconds. I think that's what it is in seconds. Pretty sure it's in seconds. Yeah. From what I remember. But it is, that doesn't sound right. The 200 watts of five watts above for 100 seconds. That's only a minute 40. Yeah, it's not a lot. Because yeah, it seems like it's not that long. Yeah, so, may, so maybe I got the wattage wrong. Maybe, maybe the watts are usually like 5,000 um, in terms of what the W prime is. Maybe it's way higher. Like maybe it's 5,000 is what's a usual metric because I just made that up. So if 5,000 is what the W prime is, then it puts it up to... Uh, like 500 yeah, seconds um, as to what you can do or sorry a, a thousand seconds five divided by that so a thousand seconds so what is that like eight nine minutes ten minutes no 15 minutes so you'd be able to go for 15 minutes at five watts above your critical power if your critical power was 200 uh, and you're and you're working at 205 watts that was a bad description <laughs> but either way the, the whole point of the equation is that it's predictably unsustainable and just use another example before we run out of time here. Um, again, with, when they do it with Elliot Kipchoge, I think they, I, again, I'm just guessing here because I think the, the, the meters that he could run above his critical power is like 200 meters. Is that, that's what they calculated it as. So again, they would measure it usually in terms of meters per second. And so just think of it as if he's running an even numbers, he's running 10 meters per second. And then for some reason in the middle of the race, he starts running 11 meters per second. So in 200 seconds, he's going to use up his W prime because he's running one meter per second faster than his critical power. And his W prime is 200 meters. So he's going to be spending one meter per second and he only has 200 to spend. So their prediction is that he's going to end up having to slow down guaranteed in about 200 seconds. That's what this relationship means. To go back below critical power yeah, to establish some W prime. Yeah. So we have a couple minutes. We have three minutes left here on our little Zoom call. So we'll uh, uh, we'll just quickly go into that, which Jason just mentioned. So let's say Elliot's doing that, and he has 200 meters of W prime, and he's running one second, one meter per second faster than his critical speed. Theoretically, he's going to use up his W prime in 200 seconds, which is three minutes and. 20 seconds. So in three minutes and 20 seconds, he's going to be forced basically through, through neuromuscular fatigue uh, and through just like, it's going to feel extremely hard. He's going to be forced to go down below his critical power, his critical speed. And another prediction here with, with this equation is the moment you start going below your critical speed, you begin reconstituting your W prime. So if he started going slower than his critical speed, he will start reconstituting and rebuilding those 200 meters that he spent. Now, he can't go down for two seconds and reconstitute 200 meters, like he's not as fit as Tom is, but <laughs> he would have to go down. And then the relationship is basically the, far, the farther down he goes, the faster he's gonna reconstitute his W prime. So potentially the fastest way for him to do it would be to walk right? 
if he wanted to get those 200 meters back, he would have to walk. And that'd be the fastest way to get them back. Um, but more than likely what happens in that case, right, is the athlete senses something bad is going to happen and they're doing something wrong. So what do they do? Just as you would see in CrossFit, people disengage or they slow down because they know something bad is happening. They just perceptually understand this. Like this is becoming too difficult. I can see the end. So they then naturally in CrossFit, it's more obvious because they just stop, right? They take breaks in running and cycling and rowing or whatever you slow down. And that's an action of the power duration relationship. Thanks for tuning in. If you like the episode and know someone else that will, please share it with them as it helps to grow our reach. If you haven't done so already, please leave us a review wherever you listen. For questions about topics covered on the show or topics we haven't covered yet, send those questions to spiraloutpodcast at gmail.com. We do read the emails and have some topics that were submitted by listeners and we plan to cover them in the near future. You can follow at optimum underscore performance underscore training on Instagram to find out when new episodes are available. And last but not least, if you guys are in Calgary, come by and check out the gym. We offer individual design as well as personal training for those close by. If you live far, head over to optimumperformancecalgary.com to get information on remote coaching and athlete camps. Catch you guys in two weeks.